I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. All right. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where, like always, we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And guess who's with me? As always, my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. I'm really excited for, you know, it's a Monday. <laughs> it's a Monday morning right now as you're listening. Um, we drop a new episode each week. Really excited to spend some time in the studio in our home today and invite you into the process. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for rating and reviewing this podcast. It's helping us reach more leaders with the message of young adults today. And we've got a great guest. Uh-huh. But we are thrilled that he said yes. And so, Mike, is it all right if I just introduce him? I would love for you to introduce him. We have a phenomenal person on the other side. And I know you can't see him, but he's dancing because he is so excited to be here with us. The three of us get a party this morning. Josiah, who is the mystery guest? Praise the Lord. So we're <laughs> here today with Pastor Adam Weber. And Adam is the founder and lead pastor of Embrace, a multi-site church based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's the author of a few books, Talking with God, and most recently, Love Has a Name. He also hosts another great podcast. You should check it out. It's called The Conversation with Adam Weber. And Adam still cheers for the Cincinnati Bengals, so we can pray for him. You're the only fan probably that we've heard of, personally, myself, I should say. But uh, devoted. There's not many. There's not many. There's not many. And he no longer drives a Rambler. He's married to his wife, Becky. They have four kids, Hudson, Wilson, Grayson, and Anderson. Shout out to you guys. And he has, check this out, seven chickens, two dogs, three fish, but is praying for a sheep. That sounds like a feast, my friend. I don't know. (laughs) And here's the thing. We live minutes from Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. We live minutes from the Mall of America. And what people don't realize is the closest land to the Mall of America is actually a sheep farm. So Adam... We'll see what we can do. Here's a fun fact for you, audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did not know that. No, I'm excited to be on the podcast, Josiah. You and I have crossed paths several times. I'm so grateful for you and Micah for the chance to meet you for the first time. And I, I, I told you already. I feel like I already know you through Instagram and whatever else. But just appreciate the both of you and the way that God is using you. And so I'm honored to be on today. Well, you are one of my favorite people on the planet. You're one of the most consistent and compelling voices of clarity, vision, and encouragement in my life. And super grateful for you. So anytime we get to chat with you is a treasure. Oh, yeah. Well, Adam, we yeah. want to kick it well, off. It's a, two, we it's a two-way street. Know, we want to get to know you more today. And our audience, too, whether they know it or not, they will get to know you as well. So would you just mind kicking us off with sharing your story journey of life, faith, leadership, family, and everything in between that you would love to share with us today. Yeah, so I'm a born and raised South Dakota kid, originally from the northeast part of the state. Um, grew up in a fantastic home. Uh, grew up Lutheran, all my extended family is Catholic. Uh, some of my earliest memories are me not wanting anything to do with God, church, Jesus, Bible, anything. Uh, we would do liturgy and I would always get in trouble for mocking the pastor as they did the liturgy. And so grew up Lutheran. Yeah, got got confirmed as an eighth grader, a freshman at freshman in high school is when I got confirmed. I came home and I told my mom it was the most I'd ever lied and to so many people at one time because you had to say that you believed in Jesus. And I absolutely did not believe in Jesus. My mom just started bawling and um, don't say that, you know? And so I, it was, I was just really vocal about feeling like um, everything was garbage. I just thought it was made up and, I really struggled with the idea um, that God was so amazing and awesome. And yet it seemed like everyone was bored uh, in church and no one talked about God outside of church. And I just knew that when something was amazing in my life, whether it was a football game, a cute girl, an old car, those amazing things impacted me. When I saw an old car, like I was just like, oh my gosh. And, and when there was an amazing cute girl, I couldn't talk straight around her because she was so beautiful, you know? And so I used to just think if there's a God and he's amazing, you think it would change everything. Right. And I, I just didn't see it. And so I'm just like, gosh, this, I mean, those were thoughts that I had when I was in like early elementary school. 
of just like, this doesn't add up. And so again, I got confirmed. My parents were devastated. There was two family friends that invited to us to a church in Watertown, South Dakota. Wow. Uh, I had never been to anything that was, everything that I'd been to was very traditional. And, mm-hmm. and I came in and there was, it was contemporary. It wasn't even crazy contemporary, but people seemed like they were happy to be there and they were clapping. And I thought they were all nuts. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, this is the loony bin. And yet I knew I had to go to church every week. And so I thought I might as well enjoy the views. And there was a bunch of cute girls there. So I was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to church. Let's do this. And I became, I, I started coming each week and each week, the pastor, instead of the words going over top of my head, they began to hit me right in the soul. And um, after a while, those girls and some guys in the church began to invite me to youth group. And I had never been, I had never seen a cool Christian before. Like yeah. and, uh, the youth pastor was like 23 years old. Uh, he's still a pastor up in Fargo, North Dakota now. Pat Severson oh. is his name. And um, But I had never seen anybody that was looked like they were fun and loved Jesus. And that was Pat. And um, I we began, I came to youth. I finally said y- yes to coming to, to youth group with him. Uh, we started singing worship songs. I, did, I felt stupid because I wasn't singing. So I started singing and I felt God's presence. And um, it was something I had never experienced before. Just basically, I, I wouldn't have been able to say it then, but the Holy Spirit. And so God just began to change my life. Ended up giving my life to Christ. And um, I finished high school, ended up going to Augustana uh, in Sioux Falls for business and marketing. I was either looking at Bethel up in the cities or Augustana. Yeah. And I, I single-handedly made the decision, and this isn't how everybody should make a decision, but I single-handedly made the decision to go to Augie because I thought it would have a bunch of people who are like me, uh, who maybe grew up and had never heard about a relationship with Jesus before. Because I had never heard about a relationship with Jesus until that next church. And so that's why I went to Augie, um, was going for business and marketing. I always thought I'd work in an ad agency or start to be a CEO of a company. And the summer before my senior year of college, I filled in for a pastor up in Wapton, North Dakota and through the craziest circumstances. Uh, and so within the first week I knew I was supposed to be called, uh, called to be a pastor. I mean, there was three ladies in the church, uh, that summer who had terminal cancer and um, whenever you have terminal anything, kind of the fluff leaves your words and you don't try to impress anybody. You just say exactly what you feel. And I've always just really appreciated heart-to-heart conversations with people like, hey, take off your mask for a second and let's talk about the real you. Yeah. And I, it was just such an honor to me that these three women would want a 21-year-old Yahoo to come through their door and pray with them. And all I could think is I need to do this the rest of my life. Like I, I need to have honest conversations. And on each week I could share about the greatest joy in my life, which is Jesus. So I finished my, my business degree. Uh, that summer, the pastor that I filled in for, I married his daughter. Wow. And uh, the, next, <laughs> the next day we headed to Kentucky, got to Kentucky, went to a great school called Asbury. And I uh, always thought we were going to end up on the East Coast at a church because we discovered we didn't have to endure South Dakota winters like nine months out of the year. Minnesota is the same way. It's like, what are we doing here, God? Like, why, why do you hate us? And uh, so we had no plans of coming back. And then uh, the pastor who led me to Christ had the idea of starting a new church. And I thought it was a bad idea. Um, and I basically didn't have the courage to say no. So came back, started a church. Three years in, we weren't growing. It didn't immediately explode. We were struggling. It almost got closed. And then um, we began to grow and grow and grow. We had nine, 10 years of just explosive growth. Uh, Went through a hard season two summers ago, kind of my first really refining season of being challenged. It was hard. Uh, Anybody listening at some point, you're going to run into a, a hard wall in your life maybe a dark night of the soul maybe a disaster that you never saw yourself walking into and those moments will shake everything Um, but if you're able to stay close to Jesus you'll walk out on the other side stronger than you ever thought was possible and uh, so that's a little bit ministry wise yeah married to my wife Becky got four kids trying to figure out where kids come from because I can't have any more show up on my front doorstep we can't have any more kids four is the max it's the max so That'd be my advice, parenting advice to the both of you. Stop at three, okay? Oh, with all the chickens, dogs, and fish, I mean, that just adds to the chaos. And you still want a sheep, so. <laughs> I do. I just, want, I just want one. And I had no idea about the airport. Maybe I'll just move out by the Minneapolis airport and just set up shop. There you go. Stranger <laughs> yeah. things have happened, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, stranger things have happened. 
I just look at like you mentioned North Dakota and the significant summer that you had there. Mike is from North mm -hmm. Dakota. I'm from Minnesota. You're from South Dakota. So we've got a the Midwest is strong yeah. on this conversation. Yes. I just think of um, your journey of leadership and, and a few of the things that you talked about. I just want to land for a second on like you talked about like even going to church and kind of growing up going through the motions and then all of a sudden you had a reality check where Jesus went from categorical to personal and it kind of went from dead, dormant, discouraging, depressing, just like quiet faith, you know, why are we doing this to all of a sudden Jesus became very real to you and very alive, very upfront, up close and personal. And so I just want to ask, like, how did that lead into, like, you mentioned something where you said, I want to do this the rest of my life. Talk about, like, yeah. why do you do what you do in terms of pastoring, in terms of just being an encouragement in South Dakota and just being a light? Yeah. In, in this area, that's a great question. In this area of the country, there's so many people who are just like me. They might have grown up in the church and went to church, but have never heard about a relationship with Jesus before. For, for me, um, growing up, if you would have asked me, what does it mean to be a Christian? I would have said, get baptized as an infant, um, get confirmed and make it to church every so often. And, you know, like we can agree to disagree on those things, but that's what I thought was it. Like I thought that was it. And when this pastor began to talk about the God who created the heavens and the earth wanted a relationship with me. And um, when I began to hear that God had a plan for my life, um, those things, like I just couldn't believe they were true. And um, I couldn't believe that anybody who would fully know me would still want to know me, you know? And so um, I just, I just, it just blew, blew me away. And, um, you know, just even, I, I don't have a crazy past with partying and drugs and, and crime that maybe other people have. For me, I just outright denied Jesus for so long that I was so sure that he would never want anything to do with me. And so when I heard that the cross and an empty tomb applied to me, it was the greatest news that ever been told, you know. I love the angel that shows up to the to the shepherds out in the field today in the town of David. A savior has been born. He's Christ the Lord. Um, I know for myself, I am in desperate need of a savior. Um, for me, on a on a daily basis, a savior from worry and anxiety, a savior from my five year plan, a, a savior from my brokenness and my crud in my life. Uh, not to mention sin and my need for him on an eternal basis. And so I just knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. And for anybody listening, you don't need to do that. Uh, to do that, you don't need to go into full-time ministry. Right. And that's, that's really what I, that's really what my plan was like. And that's what I wanted to do. Cause honestly, uh, when you're a pastor, people expect you to do pastor things and to talk about Jesus. But when you're a realtor, they don't expect you to talk about Jesus. When you're a banker or a teacher or a mechanic or a stay-at-home parent, they don't expect you to talk about Jesus or a nurse. And so I think it's so cool. You can shine so much brighter there. Uh, honestly, one of the most influential pastors in my life is uh, one of the main realtors here in Sioux Falls. His name's Tyler Goff. And I've told him, I said, uh, for you, uh, you're a realtor by title, um, but you're a pastor. And, um, and God is using him in so many wonderful ways. But for me, really the driving force has been just to do anything I possibly can to tell one more person about Jesus. And I, I hope when I'm in a nursing home someday and I can't walk and I'm in a wheelchair, I hope I'm still going door to door um, and just saying, uh, telling people it's never too late to change. And uh, you're not too far gone. You're not outside the grace of God. And even now, even in however long you have left, God still has a purpose for your life. And he still wants to use you and he delights in you. And he, he wants you to know the depths of him like he already knows the depths of you. And um, I, I just think what a wonderful, what a wonderful story to share. And I, 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 I will be telling it uh, as long as I'm on this earth. <laughs> you know, God has a vision for your life that even far beyond what you could even comprehend. And the same for us, the same for a listener. And talking and leaning into vision for a second. I remember one of our Zoom calls like this. I just picked your brain about vision. And God gave me yeah. your black and white of maybe 
what a glimpse of the future could look like at one snapshot in my life. And I remember just sharing this vision with you and asking, I, I felt like it was unattainable at times and so out there. And then you were like, well, that's great. And that might be in 10 years, but you're like, what's the next right thing to do? Because that's, that's where it. we're at. And you broke down this like big <laughs> taunting, like overwhelming um, vision and just asked me like, what's the next right thing to do? And honestly, I think this podcast even came out of that of just praying and asking God, like, what's the next right thing to do? And so could you take us there, Adam? You talked about how vision had worked. Like, God give you a vision for an online campus long ago. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, that was the big vision. And you broke it down into, like, the next right thing. And um, internship program is something that you have a vision to raise up next generation leaders. But can you talk there maybe for yourself what vision means and maybe for the listener who has a dream, and it's God size. It's gigantic. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It, it brings a, a healthy anxiousness to their soul. And then it's like, they're excited about it, but they just don't know what to do. Can you break it down for us vision? Yeah. So I, I, you, you said kind of what's the driving force in the question before. And I just knew I wanted to tell people about Jesus. Like that's, I just knew that. And I, again, my, my vision that I had was to do it in the business world and be really generous and just to do unique things. Um, but, but I knew for certain that I wanted to tell people about Jesus and I still, I'm 38 years old and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. But I just look, I look at even that internship and how I got that internship. I mean, so much of it was hand of God. I was supposed to be on a spring break trip and I ended up being home. And so that's why my pastor could talk to me. And I mean, just like circumstances like that. And that same day I was driving on I-29 up to Fargo, North Dakota, for the first time in probably 15 years with the phone number of a pastor in Wapiton, North Dakota, who's 10 miles off of I-29. I mean, just like the timing of it was so crazy. But um, so I, 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 I knew when I got to Fargo that day that I was supposed to call that number. I didn't know I was supposed to start a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, right. but I knew I, was supposed to, I knew I was supposed to call that number. And so I called that number thinking I was still going to tell the pastor no. And I had my, my kind of my fleece on the ground. I was like, okay, I need to make money this summer. I need a place to stay. And this is never going to happen. And God fulfilled them all. Wow. And so the next right thing was to say yes to the thing. Cause I, all, all, even all my like requirements of God, he filled them all. And so I filled in and within that first week, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. What do you mean by it? Like you knew you're supposed to be a pastor. I knew that, I wanted to do more of that. Yeah. That's like, I just, I'm like, I just want to do more than that. I, I, I want to do more of that. I want to talk with people who are like, just they're ready to go be with Jesus. And I, I just, I just want to have more of that. And on Sundays, I want to tell more people. I don't want to have to like wait to tell people about Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus every Sunday. Right. And so, so I knew, so what's the next step? Well, I, I, I should probably go to seminary. That may not even be the next step. At, for me at that time, it was though. So I was like, okay, well, where should I go to seminary? Well, the pastor I filled in for and my home pastor both went to the same seminary. I'm like, I guess I'm going to Kentucky for seminary. I mean, like sometimes we like to make it really, really difficult. And then my plan, my plan was the East Coast. That's where we were going. I didn't know a single soul on the East Coast. I didn't know anybody on the East Coast. But my pastor back home called me and said, hey, we love the idea of a church in Sioux Falls and this and this and this. And again, it just measured, it met up. And I'm like, I can't say no again. I guess I'm going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, even though I don't want to go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I don't want to start a church. So sometimes God, like whatever God is up to, this is something my, my that, that pastor that I've been talking about, he just retired uh, last month, a hero of the faith for me. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, I said, what do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start? And he said, I just wish I would have, instead of trying to get God behind something I was doing, I just wish I would have looked behind what God was doing and just joined him because that's a lot easier. And God blesses that a lot more. And so I think back to vision, I think that's what I've just done in my life um, so many different times. But really, like when it comes to vision, even kind of the idea of the online campus, it started. We had no money. I was 24 when we started the church. I wouldn't let my now 24-year-old self borrow my car. Like, so I'd be like, I'd be like, no, uh, I know you love Jesus, but I'm keeping my car. I'm sorry. But, uh, I didn't know, I didn't, 
<laughs> yeah, I'll give, I'll pay for your Uber. Okay, perfect. Like, <laughs> I try to make them feel guilty and say like, what about the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan. Like, I think you should let me borrow your car. Nope, you're Ubering. Okay, so, but for the online campus, we didn't have any money. And so I was, I, I wanted to be able to have a service that people could watch on the summers when they're gone. And so I bought a $10 webcam and we used, uh, I can't remember, uh, it was some live stream. It was livestream.com and we didn't, we didn't have money to pay for the membership. And I hope this is okay to say, uh, during that time, one of the big sponsors behind, uh, livestream.com was Trojan commercials. And so we would show services and halfway through the service, Trojan man would come on. Oh my gosh. And and so we started having people saying, Hey, do we need relationships? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, is this you speaking to somebody? Maybe some conviction in the service. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but, uh, like, I'm like, so we get people being like, Hey, do we need Trojan man in the, in the service? And I'm like, I don't like Trojan man in the service either, but it's actually, it's like cost money. And like, I'm not kidding. We had families that started giving to get rid of Trojan man. See, God can use, God can use me, but it was just that next step. Now we have, you know, equipment that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. We got a nine camera shoot. There's a whole group of volunteers and staff that run that. But all it started with was a webcam and uh, not good live stream. And, and so I, I think, I think for all of us, so often we get caught in the 10 year plan yeah. when it's like, okay, that I, what do I want to do? I want to tell people about Jesus the rest of my life. I have no idea that involves starting a church and live stream and the craziness that will be. I just know that that's what I'm supposed to do. So I just keep looking for where is God at work and I just want to join him there. I think that's so good. Adam, I look at it this way. You started something from nothing. Like you saw a need and if it's the webcam and the live stream that you were using, yeah. that, that's where God had you start. And God used even those silly commercials for the church. Yes. There's a need like, how can I pay for us not to have to watch this? Or how can I pay? How, how can I get involved? You know, yep. and if people can't give up their time, they can give financially. If they can't give financially, they're in the prayer closet. So I think it's a beautiful illustration of God's people coming together and yep. being the body, um, even through such a funny story such as that, to realize like, <laughs> and now we have, like you said, thousands of dollars worth of cameras. And I think for the listener today who feels like I'm in a small town, I'm passionate about young adult ministry, and there's nothing going on at my church. Where do I start? You don't have to start with a webinar. Yeah. Start with six people around the table weekly as a Bible study. You don't know what can, that's, that's a house church right there. You don't know what can stem from that. And True. we don't know what God has always down the road to the capacity of which, you know, he's leading and guiding every single one of us. And one thing that I think many of us struggle with, or I should say I struggle with, and many, maybe the listeners as well, is learning how to live in the moment, live day by day, and not um, worry about for tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And I think as a leader and as a passionate individual, like we want to plan out the future, we want to know the future, and we get discouraged when it doesn't go our way. That's right. um, Adam, I would just ask you for the listener today, like how would you encourage the, the listener, the learner, and the leader today who has a vision and is also desiring a simple, faithfully like ability to to steward the present moment and to not be discouraged about the small things because you know when God gives us and we're able to steward a little little he will bless that and he could bless us with a lot so what would you say oh yeah or you know maybe in that situation today Yes, that's such a great question. Like, I, I think for me, it's awesome to have dreams and to have visions and to have huge goals. I think that's so fantastic. But, uh, you know, someone who's wired like me, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm an achiever. And so I'm always thinking about seven days or seven months or seven years from now. Something that really began to change for me in the last two, the last two years is really enjoying today. And um, continuing to dream and have great visions, but I want to be really faithful today. And so one of the, one of the prayers that I've been praying is God help me to find one person that I can love today. Um, Help me to do that. Um, God, God seems to do so much more when we're present in today. 
and we, we, we are present in the moments that we're in. It'd be easy even right now, like, okay, I'm sitting with the both of you. Uh, but after this, I'm doing an uh, interview with churchleaders.com. And then I have a couple that I'm meeting with. And then there's one more couple I'm meeting with. And so, I'll, man, for churchleaders.com, I'm not in the churchleaders.com interview. I'm in this fantastic, awesome interview. And so it's, um, it's, but oftentimes that's how we live though. We're, we're talking with somebody and we're thinking about whatever, instead of like, God, I want to be present right here with, 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 with Josiah and Micah. And I want to be present, whether it's this moment or it's a moment at a coffee shop this morning, I got to a coffee shop early this morning and I wanted to go right to work. And God just was like, Hey, you might want to say hello to the cashier. And it was like, oh, uh, so I like, it probably sounded like he, like, he was probably confused. Like, did I say something to you? Cause you were standing here longer and then you weren't talking to me. And then you started talking to me, but I, I, I was just like, I don't even know what that was, but I just asked him how his day was going, his morning was going. And so I just want to be really faithful in the present and also something else grateful in the present. I was talking with a friend a little while ago and um, there was a conference um, that, that, um, that that person didn't get invited to. And um, they, were, they were discouraged and kind of a little bit hurt that they didn't get invited to the conference. And um, I said, you know, I, ha- I got two no's this week as well. There was two things I reached out for and got told no. But I said, I said let me just remind you of all the awesome things that God has said yes to you in this yep. season. Like, oh my, and I started listing them off. And I said, honestly, like, I can't imagine sitting down with having those opportunities because I was actually invited to the conference that he wanted to be at. And so I reminded and he just was like, whoa, that's, uh, I needed to hear that. And I said, well, I needed to be reminded of that earlier this week when I got those two no's that I really wanted as well. And so I, I think instead of wishing and hoping that you're doing everything else. I just want to be really faithful in this moment. And then I found that God just opens up doors in crazy, crazy ways. When we're faithful in this moment, I feel like God just opens doors. Another random thing I've thought about, uh, one of my life goals is uh, to never force my way into a room. And what I mean by that is to never force my way into an opportunity or into a friend group. Yep. or into a conference to speak at or a book deal. Cause anytime you force your way into the room, you got to keep the door open yourself. Cause you can't, you're the one who opened it. God didn't. And so there's pressure. You got to keep impressing that group of friends that you impressed to even get in friends with. And you better, it's just all this weight. And it also, it feels really gross. Wow. E- even if you get the opportunity, you're just like, I feel like I sold my soul to get here. And do these people really like me for me? or for the fake version that I sold them. But when you let, when you let God open a door, there's no pressure on you. Right. Cause it's like, I didn't open this door. Right. So it's your, your fault. It's your fault, God, like that I'm in this room yep. and I didn't sell my soul. So that person who genuinely opened the door, they opened it cause they wanted to. Right. And cause they saw God doing something inside of me. And so it, it could be the same exact room, but it one, it's stressful. It's, it's gross. The pressure's on you and the other, you're light as a feather and you're just at total peace with yourself. And I don't need to dress like that. I don't need to like look cooler than I am or try to brag about something that's not true because God, you opened this door. And so they love me for me. And um, so I, I just want more of that. And I, I think we, we, we try to force doors open when we uh, are living in seven years from now instead of the moment that we're in. Right. I think that's such a good illustration seeing us trying to force the door versus the door that's open right next to it. And I think sometimes we like that's right. our prayers and like, yeah, you may be one knock away, but that may not be the door you should be knocking on. The one that's the hinge is blown off, you know, double doors is that's what God's asking to walk through. We get so laser focused on what's a closed opportunity that we may feel like that gentleman did like I'm discouraged or I feel hurt like I didn't get invited. Yeah. And it seems exclusive and you know, like but to sit back and bring forth awareness of like, whoa, God has been faithful. He is still has opportunities for me and his promises are yes and amen. And one thing That's I right. want to bridge the listener to today is kind of what you had touched on, Adam, was I think it's in Lisa Turker's book, um, Embrace. It's one of her devotions and one of the little, like, little prayers or the challenges that she has for us as the reader is, Lord, interrupt my day. 
Like anyway, yeah. Lord interrupt my day. And I think when I start beginning to pray that prayer in the morning, the moment I get up and I'm like, you have conversations you never saw coming. You have words for people you never thought you'd have a word for. You, you know, like you get encouraged somebody at the coffee shop, but you'd never, they weren't, wasn't on my agenda today, but you don't look at that person as an obligation to speak into. You look at them as an opportunity to be had. And I think so yes, many times good. Years, we get laser focused on the doors we want wow. or the purpose that we think we're fulfilling. When in reality, I believe that God has given us this um, opportunity to, to steward our leadership, to lead our churches, to lead our groups, whoever he's put us, you know, over or under is to continually submit to him. Like that's what we kind of forget. So as long as we can get our heart right with him, <laughs> we are able to, um, we're able to just really experience the yes and amen from him. So that's why it's my That's exactly. So. That's exactly it. And I was going to say too, there, and there's a, it's a really fine line. It's a really hard thing. One of my favorite stories is the widow. He keeps knocking on the, on the judge's door. And so I, again, I'm an Enneagram three that that's like my, like my life verse, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. But there is a difference between being faithful and doing your work. Like the person who's not wired as an achiever, they might not need to hear this. Um, cause, uh, cause uh, again, if you're an Enneagram three, you need to hear, don't force your way open into doors. But for the person who's frozen and doesn't move, you need to hear something different. You need to be faithful and act. You need to step out of the boat. You need to trust Jesus. You need to put opportunities out there. But for me, for me in the past, a lot of times I push that. Like it, I, I push faithfulness to try and to like, how can I make this happen on my own strength? Right. And how can I impress you in a fake sort of way? That's the dark side of a three. And that's where it's like, you're forcing your way into this instead of allowing God to open it. Adam, be faithful. Like uh, make sure you knock on the door. So like the two no's, there was two podcasts. Both of them I've actually been on already that I got told no with. Um, and so I was faithful. So I did my part. Um, and, uh, my, my publisher reached out and then I even had my assistant reach out as well. So that is clearly, I've done my part. Now I just need to leave it at that rather than like, is there another way to get on there or whatever? That's where I try, would try to take it into my own hands. But Micah, so I want to share that. But what you said about, uh, you never know who you're going to talk with. You never know what God has planned for. I think in the last two years, that's what's turned into the greatest adventure of my life yes. is look is looking for those moments and those moments where you have no idea who you're talking with, what will come from this. Um, that's been the coolest adventure. I'm, I'm getting to the place now where at the end of my life, when I stand before God, I don't think he's going to mention my onstage moments. I think he's going to, he's going to mention my offstage moments that I was faithful to love the cashier at Starbucks, right. to love the person that everyone else overlooked, to be faithful with the small things. Really, really quick story. Uh, two years ago, I, um, I felt, I woke up one Saturday and I felt, uh, Adam, go make chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever yeah. heard. I didn't want to make <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. And I just kept feeling like, go make chocolate chip cookies. And I'm like, I don't want to make chocolate chip cookies. Like why? Quick side note. My chocolate chip cookies are the absolute best thing you've ever had. I can't make any food, really but if dressed. I <laughs> seriously, the only thing I can make a chocolate chip cookie. So I, I, uh, I, I've kept feeling make cookies, make cookies, make cookies. And so I, I asked my daughter, I'm like, Grayson, do you want to make cookies? And I knew she'd say yes. So she said, yes. So we made the cookies and she's like, what are we going to do with these? And I said, baby, would you make a sign that says free cookies? And, um, cause I just felt like, just go give them out for free. I'm like, okay. So I went to the street corner with my daughter with our sign that said free cookies. And we started giving them out. Even then I didn't want to do it. I'm just like, this is a bad idea. Why are we doing this? Other than the time with my daughter, what a waste of time, all this kind of thing. People immediately started coming and getting cookies. We have a lot of foot traffic. So there's different people, some professionals, some homeless individuals eating cookies, all these different people. Uh, there's this little uh, Native American girl who came up. She got a cookie. I mean, there's just all these different people who got cookies. And um, at the end of it, 40 minutes later, all the cookies were gone. And I'm just like, that was so foolish. Like, why did I, why did I do that? So we, we picked it up. My, again, my daughter and I had a nice time, but away from that, six months later, 
um, a group of friends and I, we went to the local food pantry here and we offered to take free photos of families. Um, so when you came, you get a free photo from a professional photographer, you'd eat your meal, we'd print off your eight by 10. And then uh, I got another group of friends from Facebook donate eight by 10 frames. So when they came out, they got a framed eight by 10 frame. So we're doing this. It's awesome. The photos are beautiful. Families are like, I've never had a photo like this. It's just awesome. Well, about halfway through this man walks up and he doesn't sound happy. He says, you, and he points at me and I'm like, ah, Run fast. Like, you, yeah. He's like, you. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if this is good or bad. He's like, were you on a street corner with a little girl and up cookies? And I'm thinking to myself, did he get the one bad cookie that I've made in my life? Oh, no. <laughs> did he get did he get food poisoning oh, from no. my cookie? Like what what happened? Like why? I'm sorry. You know, it was my first time in my life. I didn't want to brag about my cookies. I was like, maybe. And uh, I said it was it was me. And he said this. This man is amazing. And I'm like, oh no. And he's like. He's amazing. And he's like yelling. And now I know that it's a good thing. I'm like, you still kind of sound angry, but I'm, you're saying amazing. <laughs> okay. So he's like, he's amazing. And so I'm like, no, no. And he said, let me tell you something. I had just lost my job. I was on my way home. I was starving, wondering and questioning if God had seen me, if God cared about me. And I saw you and your daughter with cookies and I knew I didn't have any money. So I went to the other side of the road because I knew you didn't, I didn't have any money. And then you yelled out, free cookies. And uh, my favorite part, he's like, and first off, it was the best cookie I've ever had. And I'm like, thank you, sir. Keep me humble though, don't say that. And, uh, but he said, I'll never forget, wow. I knew that God was with me. Wow. And so again, I'm like, okay, that was awesome, God. Like, thank you so much for the impact on my life. Fast forward to, uh, would have been like June, May or June, the very first week we opened services here. So like a, a year and a half later, uh, there's a family that came to the, to embrace that hasn't been able to have kids mm. and they just got approved. They just got approved to foster. And so they come in the first Sunday back with services and there's three little kids with them. And so the kids come to the service with them and, and come out and the little five-year-old kid comes up and he says, I know you. And I'm like, oh, and I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't know me. And, uh, you know, he, it, I just, I knew he, he just didn't know me. So I'm like, oh, that's great. And he's like, no, I know you. And I'm like, oh, like you, yeah. And he's like, you. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, you live by my dad. And I'm like, oh, your, your, your dad? He's like, yeah, you live by where my dad lives. And the older girl said, and we stopped by one day, and my dad and I, we got a cookie from you. Beautiful. And in that moment, I knew it was the Native American girl that I prayed for. Awesome. <laughs> and I said, I, 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 the foster parents looked at me like, what? And I said, I prayed for you. And she said, what? I said, you were just so beautiful that day. And yet it felt like you were in some hard situations. And so I just, I just prayed for you that you would just know that you're loved by God. And she got emotional and just said, my dad always loves to walk by your house. I'm like, Jesus, take me now. They left later that day, the foster parents messaged me and just like, I can't believe that they knew you and whatever else. And all I could think was the fact all I could think was the fact is that I didn't want to make cookies that day. Mm -hmm. And for an hour and a half, I complained to God that I had to do it. It's just like, so for me again, as achiever, I want to, I want to reach thousands. God, I want like a big vision. I want to change the world. And I'll, what if God is just like, Hey, uh, I heard you wrote a book or something. And you got like a few people in your church. Hey, Mr. Important. How about you go make cookies? Get yep. your daughter and sit on your street corner because I'm just going to change the world for this little girl here and this random guy that's walking by who just lost his job. I, I want you to actually make cookies. Right. And so 
for me, I, I just think more and more, I'm like, I don't want to miss those moments. Cause uh, I, I think for me, I'm, I'm like grand, like big God. I don't, I don't want small, I don't want small things. And uh, one of my favorite verses, um, Jesus talks about when you're faithful with small things, he can trust you with things that are bigger. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, God, would you just make sure that I don't miss the small things? Cause I want to make sure that I'm faithful with the small things so I can be trusted with the big things. Cause I know you won't have the big things unless I got these small things figured out. And also, by the way, Adam, what if the things that you think are really small are actually the big things and the big things are actually really small. Right. So I'm done. Sorry. What I'm thinking of the whole time, Adam, is two things. The first is as an achiever that I can relate uh, with you, with everything you're saying. And I just feel this peace, this calm coming over my spirit because I think the words that you're sharing are for me. And um, I think that the myth of the achiever is that the simple is equal to insignificant when actually when it's led by the spirit of God, simple equals significant. And I just think of cookies on my radar. That's not even a blip on the radar. That, that seems like a waste of my time. Like I, is that the best use of my time as an achiever, as an enthusiast? And, um, when on God's radar of the significant obedience of the spirit of God is if he wants me to do this, then that's the best use of my time. That's the best thing that I could possibly do in the universe. And I just think of our friendship, our relationship, which I'm so grateful for. I picture two pictures. One is this yellow chair that you're sitting on that the audience listening can't see, but why can't I get to see? Because we've sat like this. And then the other picture that I get is you, and it's so funny you mentioned the cookies. I picture you on the street corner with a sign that just says, I'm here to listen. Yeah. Do you want to talk? I'm here to listen. And I think that that is, is the picture that I get is you're available to a guy who just lost his job and needs a cookie or you're available to a young person who just reaches out for some prayer and some encouragement, dissecting the vision and um, this, this, this spiritual availability to the, the small moments. And I think that leads us to moments that are little and large. And Adam, you just wrote a book about love has a name. His name is Jesus. And we've been really excited for the upcoming soon release of this book. Can you dive in for a second and just maybe share a sneak peek of what God might have downloaded to your spirit from his spirit during the writing process? Like what is swelling up in your soul? What is, what is making your chest beat with this like cannon of a drum that, you know, it echoes into the church today and can you just share about love has a name? Yeah. So I wrote this book, uh, really, uh, out of a place of not wanting to love anybody, to be honest, uh, two years ago for the first time in my life, my strong suits have always been the gift of gab and joy. And I just genuinely love people. And the stranger you are, the more I love you. And, uh, and so, uh, my wife is always like all the strange rangers for some reason are always attracted to you. And I'm like, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And so, but, so I naturally just love people. But for the first time, I went through a hard time a couple of years ago, and I just didn't want to love anybody. I wanted to love my wife and kids, a few close friends, and everybody. Everybody else can just stay at a distance. And I, it's so crazy that what I was going through personally is now what it feels like our world is going through. Wow. Because our world, our world right now is like, I want to care for my family, number one, a few close friends, and everybody else can just stay away. Like you would disagree with me. I don't got time for you. You think differently than me. I don't have any, like we don't even need to talk anymore. Like our world is, our world I feel like is at our place where I was two years ago. And so I just had to learn like, what does it look like to love like Jesus? And one of the things that I found about Jesus is um, he was so good at getting to know a person's name. Yeah. And more than that, getting to know a person's story. And when we do those two things, it changes us and it changes the other person for the other person. There's something wonderful about knowing when someone knows your name, it makes you feel valued. Um, no matter if you're a, a homeless person or a CEO, there's something about knowing a person's name yes. that just makes them feel human. Uh, I'll never forget. I got to interview an NBA guy a couple of years ago. Um, he, he came to town. It was a huge deal. They put on a big basketball camp, thousands of kids, 
my roommate from college, he uh, is the main sportscaster. His dad is the main sportscaster. So I got the only interview with this person like separately. So there all, it was like NBC, CBS is all gets interviews. And then literally I'm the only one who got a side interview. And so I'll never forget. There's hundreds of people there just like waiting to kind of suck the life out of them. And it came to my interview and he was kind of just walking with me like, okay, ask me your questions, bald bearded man, you know? And, um, I just said, uh, would you mind if I asked you about God? And he kind of went from like, whatever to like, I, I love that. And, um, I, I said, really, are you sure I'm going to have to ask you about God? And he's like, no, I would love that. And then I said, would you care if I asked about your family? I mean, it's the total opposite of whatever everybody else is going to ask. Like, so tell me about basketball and your, you know, all this kind of stuff. I said, would you mind if I asked about your family? And he's like, I'd love if you asked about my family. And the whole time we were there, I had like 10 minutes with him, like eight at eight minutes, his agent or whatever it was just started saying like, wrap it up. And he kept saying, I want this interview. Wow. We ended up sitting for 20 minutes. Cause he kept like saying, and I think it was just because I, I acknowledge that he's a human with a soul. Yep. And so regardless of who you are, when you know a person's name and story, it changes them, but it also changes, changes you. When you get to know a person's name, they're no longer just someone who disagrees with you. They're no longer just annoyance in your day. And why is my waiter taking so long to get us food? And like, can you hurry up with the checkout? Like, what, is this a Sunday drive that you're on? Like, I need to go to work. Like, you know, like, and do you really think like that? That's who you vote for? Did you make it through kindergarten? Like, how could you possibly vote for them? You know, like they go from that to all of a sudden they're a person and all of a sudden they have a story and it's uh, all of a sudden they're uh, just, they're, they're a human and it begins to change the way that you look at them. And, and again, Jesus was so good that good at that. One of my, the first stories in the book is the story of Zacchaeus. And what I love about that is, is for some of our listeners that sometimes in our life, we find that we're the Zacchaeus and we've made some mistakes and we've screwed up and maybe all the Christians are walking out of our lives because we've made a mistake or people are judging us or hating us or don't want to be associated with us for that person. It's what a wonder, what a wonderful thing to know that Jesus knows our name. Good. And um, he knows our story and he wants to be with us. And he invites basically himself over to our house. That's pretty cool that he knows our name. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes we're not Zacchaeus. Sometimes we're the person in the crowd. And we need to be reminded that Jesus knows the name of the Zacchaeus in our life. Wow. Our ex that wronged us, the person who annoys us, the scumbag who's made terrible choices, the, the person who posts scandalous pictures on Instagram or we're just like, get over yourself. Like we got to be we're reminded like Jesus knows their name and he cares about them. Do we care about them? Right. And I think one of the things as Christians, we're really good at is loving people that agree with us and think like us and look like us and act like us. And Jesus said, even pagans do that. Um, but what about people that you can't stand? And what about people who can't stand you and they're the, your, your enemies? And then it, that's where it gets, it gets challenging. And so um, really that's kind of the heart of the book. It's 20, it's the names. Uh, each chapter is the name of a person. It's 27 people plus one school that have either loved me or I've tried to love them combined with someone similar that Jesus has loved. None of the people have huge platforms. None of them are famous. They're just everyday people who have shown me what love's all about. And as I came out of that kind of heartbroken, jaded season, I just, I just started thinking about all the people that showed me God's love. And um, it's, it's been just awesome getting to share their story and, and getting to brag on them. I think that's so fun to hear how your book came out of a season of trial and tribulation and frustration or whatever words you want to use there and to know that God can turn those bitter moments into a sweet aroma and offering back to him to further his kingdom. And one thing, even just listening to your story, like you've seen people as a, like I see you as a person, not a product. And the moment yes. you can get that as a leader, like people are not products. They can sniff that out a mile away. The moment you see them as a person, you ask them those deep, meaningful conversations, not like, hey, how's the weather? How's your soul? How's your family? How's your soul? 
did your, you know, like, how did your family member ever come out of cancer? Or when you know those details of somebody's life, they cannot help but to lean in. Even as a non-believer, they will yes. lean in. And when they, when you earn that right to speak into their life as a person and not a product, they know that you care and you're earning that right to to speak of God, to speak proof, uh, uh, truth and to offer yes. prayer. And their hearts are softened in those moments by the questions that we ask or the questions that we don't ask. So I want you to lean in now, Adam, because we've come to our favorite part of the Let's podcast. go, let's go, I'm ready for it. And so we have five and five, so it's five questions in five minutes or less. We want to ask your time. So are you warmed up and ready? I am, I just got done stretching and you've preached several times, by the way, like throughout this. So I'm just gonna let you know that really quick. That might, I don't know if that's question number one, but. Both of you are rock stars, and you've been ministering to me the whole time. So, okay, wow. rapid fire. I'm glad we could bless each other. This is awesome. <laughs> All right, Adam, question number one. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Oh, my gosh. Um, cheese ball. Talks to anybody. That's one word, by the way. Passionate about Jesus. That's good. I, th I think I, I think I used 17 words, by the way, but there were three categories. You did good. good. Yeah, three good. phrases. So speaking of words, Adam, like words carry weight. And, and there's words in scripture you could draw from. There's quotes, verses. Take it any direction you'd like. But are there any words that you live by personally? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think words that I would try to live by are words like kindness and gentleness mm. um and even even passion as well um but i gentleness i just told a guy this morning that i that he was gentle i said that's not something that men usually say to each other and yet it's something that i'm really striving to be like i i hope my kids that can say my dad was so gentle uh scott sauls wrote a book recently about the gentleness of like the fruit of the spirit of gentleness and so i i think those are three words that i would I would strive for is gentle, kind, and passionate. That's awesome. All right. Question number three. This Here, is the curveball. This is the curveball for a cheese ball. <laughs> if you, yes. If you could ask us one question, what would you ask us today? I, what I would ask is, what do you know uh, with working with young adults um, like you do that I don't know? Again, I, I've always been for the longest time, I was the youngest person in the room. I'm now 38 years old, and my hairline is roughly 83 years old. No, it's just falling down to your beard. It just is. It just is. <laughs> but that would be the question, like, ministry-wise, what do you guys know that I, I don't know that I need to know? And, you know, I think, that, um, I think that you actually know it. I don't know that I would share anything that you don't know, Adam, but I think <sighs> that I would highlight is um, there's a, a generation that is very aware that they are being researched. So there's a guard that is immediately going up anytime anyone anywhere starts talking as an expert about a generation and, and they are like, you don't know me. And so I think that the posture of like maybe, you know, expert or, or stage presenter compared to or contrasted with the posture of, I'm curious about you. I just want to know you. I just, I want to ask you questions. And instead of me telling you about yourself or your generation or what research is saying, I think that there are- That's good. Like, they're just hungry for relationships and what like I'm talking to me, not at me. Yes, yes, okay. or talk with me yeah. versus talk at me. And I think, Adam, that there's, there's a generation that is really wanting pastors. They're really wanting older brothers and sisters. They're really wanting pastors. They're really wanting leaders. They're wanting spiritual fathers and mothers, <laughs> which is what you are and what we aim to be. And, and I think that they're just like, you know, enough with the statistics and just how about we just have conversations mm -hmm. right i love it that's right. good um, what, what about you micah i think mine would be so one of my passion points is relationships so love sex dating whether you're single dating married engaged like i love 
those different stages of life within, you know, the 18 to 20 year old and maybe even beyond. And one thing that I've realized and recognized is this uh, millennials, myself included, and the generations behind us, they are longing for mentors and young um, leaders of men and women to speak into their dating lives, into their decision-making processes, and teach them the importance of not just settling and not just going from relationship to relationship or giving yourself away to whatever capacity that looks like. They're like, mentors are not asking the hard questions. So I am one that I love to ask hard questions. And this is why every young girl, you're gonna, I think you're gonna love this one. I ask every young girl that's my God, I want you to mentor me. I'm dating this guy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, question one. I always say this one, I'm not God and I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I serve a God and I can, and I can, God can use the Holy Spirit to speak through me. So let's just oh, yeah. straight right away. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Number two, I go, here's the question I have for you. Is your boyfriend leading you to the foot of the cross or is he leading you to the foot of the bed? Oof. And they don't even have to say anything for their face to tell me what's been going on. And I would say, if, if, I always say, don't oh, oh snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> I go, She's got real. I go, don't answer out loud. I go, but this is a question I want you to ponder on for the next seven days. And when I meet with you next Wednesday, I want to have a conversation with you. I want you to reevaluate um, who's speaking into your life, what is speaking into your life, and how have you been giving yourself away emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, whatever dynamic that you are wrestling with within that relationship. One, did you pray about that person before you started dating? No, I should. Okay, this is one of the biggest decisions outside of relationship with God. You need to know that you are marrying the right person because when you're going to settle, I don't want to hear that word. I just settled. Well, you know, no, no, no. I want you to know that there is the calling of God on both of your lives and you guys are in the lane doing life together. So what I've realized is this generation does not have pure, holy, God-fearing mentors that are asking themselves the hard questions from pornography to dating to boundaries to anything. So that's, that's a good answer. But hey, is he leading you to the foot of the cross or the foot of the bed? And your face tells me what you're wrestling with. And I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to say, I'm here for you. How can I pray? What do you want to know? So. Well, with that the, 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 the whole time that you were talking i loved josiah's face he was just smiling like i'm not even gonna try to cut cut her off right now she's going she's going his your smile was awesome just to see you like just watching her was really cool by the way that was that was really good and we want to end on a note from you adam and just just like micah gave a charge and gave a challenge and an encouragement like well if you could if we would say to you adam like Here's a room full of college pastors, young adult ministry leaders. You can leave them with one thing today. What would you leave them with? Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two quick things. I would say, first thing, God's plans are so much better than your plans will ever be. They're yeah. just so much better. And a, and a life following him is not pain-free. It's not trial-free. It's just so much better. And you have no idea the road and journey ahead that God has for you. And it's just so wonderful and beautiful and hard and ugh, at times. And yet it's just, it's just so fantastic. That'd be the first thing. The second thing in any room that you're in, this is maybe more leadership in any room that you're in. Um, we're naturally, again, as a three specifically, you're, we're naturally drawn to the, to the highest person in the room and the biggest name in the room and we want to you know sit with them and talk with them and meet with them and that's great you know um the apostle paul was very strategic in which city he went to and this kind of thing so i think i don't think there's anything wrong with being wise and 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 thinking that way Um, but my challenge to you maybe in addition or before uh the highest person in the room uh do you know the name of the person that's lowest in the room um the person who's uh, kind of fit uh, doesn't belong because they don't match up with everybody else. Do you know their name? Do you know their story? Um, because uh, I, th- I think that's, that's the moments, those small subtle moments that I think God delights in. And again, I think it's those small subtle moments where God says, you're being faithful in this small thing and no one even knows you're doing it and yet you're doing it. 
And he just elevates and elevates and elevates when we have that kind of heart and posture. And so that'd be this one leadership thing that God's been challenging me with. Um, I, I, I was sitting with a, a pastor. He's from Minnesota, actually. I had never met him before. He drove to, to Sioux Falls because he wanted to meet with me. And so we sat at a coffee shop. And as soon as we got there, it was like every person I knew walked by. Everybody. So he started out by saying, like, I'm so grateful for the impact you've had on my life, my ministry. I don't think I'd be a pastor if it wasn't for you. And I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. And um, as soon as we started talking, everybody who walked by was like, hey, Adam, dude, Adam, I go to embrace, like every other person. And this, I, the, the guy's eyes just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, he's like, you know, everyone everyone knows you and i was like well the first guy was our mayor uh so he walks by it's part of his job to say hello to people so like there's that and i said the other two guy his name's ryan and that was chad that way from the other side of the road and i said you know that's that's awesome i'm so grateful that they know my name and i know theirs but i said the man that i'm most proud to know the name of is the fellow across the street there and on the bench on the other across the street there was a homeless man um, named AC. And um, I got to know his name like two days earlier. And I said, I'm, I'm proud that he knows my name and that I know his. And I said, we're trying to figure out a day that we can go to lunch together because I told him I want to buy him lunch and get to hear his story. And I genuinely want to live that out more. Um, I want to know the name of the person that everyone else walks by, everyone else disregards, because I, I think that's the name that Jesus would want to know. Well, I mean, what a beautiful challenge that's powerful and prophetic because it's been said that, you know, many leaders know the names of influential people um, or know it's, it's been said that many people walk into a room and they notice the influential people, but um, the really great leaders will, will make you feel like they know them. And yeah. Man, I think that that's a great challenge for everyone. Thanks for living that out, modeling it to us and to our audience today. Yeah. Adam, we're so blessed by the time together. If you're listening, you can find out more about Adam Weber, Embrace Church, and his newest book that you should pick up, Love Has a Name. And you connect with us in the show notes and at youngadults.today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Adam, thanks again. Oh, huge thanks to both of you and all the ways God's using you. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.